It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. It's the end of the world as we know it. This is the hour of doom and bloom. That's right, friends and neighbors. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Podcast, a fortress of fealty in a frenetic world. Wow, you said that very well. Thank you very much. Almost sounds like a radio host, (laughs) but... It's very, After all these years, we should know what we're doing. Uh, except but we the sad don't. thing we don't. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> well, I'm your host, Joe Alton, MD, that old Dr. Bones, and this lovely creature is... Amy Alton. I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife known as ARNP. That's right. I'm And I'm sticking to it because Florida's trying to change our initials, and it's driving me bananas. <laughs> but you know what? I have been that for... Oh my gosh, I don't even know how many years. 27 years. How crazy is that? That's a long time. I didn't even I think you were 27 years old. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyhow, you're the lovely creature, and I'm, at this point, the creature from the Black Lagoon, so <laughs> what can I say? Um, hey, yes. I wanted to mention that mm-hmm. we are indeed the Reader's Choice. Our website is Reader's Choice, three years running at Survival Top 50. Dot com for both medical education and you know what we also are designers of an entire line of some of the best health savings accounts eligible kits in the world <laughs> on the internet on yes. the interweb first aid kits that's right so make sure that you check that out and if you have hsa or fsa account money still in your account don't lose it use it at store.doomandbloom.net and, and by the way, if you've just returned from your vacation on the 24th moon of Jupiter, you may have noticed a little change in our format. Indeed, you're going to hear more frequent, shorter shows to go straight to the information you're looking for without a whole lot of housekeeping up front. And some of the stuff, of course, you hear on our show, if you've been listening, is outside the conventional medical wisdom. Oh, boy. Uh, we But you know what? We have active medical licenses. We'd like to keep them. So listen to this. All information and opinions voiced on the Survival Medicine podcast are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. We strongly urge our audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. In other words, don't listen to a darn thing we say. Yeah. You know, what are you guys, a bunch of preppers or something? (laughs) You know, we talk about trauma and infection an awful lot but we talk less about chronic disease and there's a reason for that you know we have to face the fact that in some settings namely those without some of modern medicine's miracle technology some people with long-term issues may end up having lifespans similar to those of their ancestors with the same problems a hundred or so years ago i often get questions about conditions that have a clear path to proper diagnosis and various options regarding modern therapies. That's great in modern times, but off the grid, many of these options don't exist. And those that have lost, for example, lung or heart function due to chronic disease have some problems to deal with. Take someone with a history of a heart attack. In this serious event, a portion of heart muscle has died due to blocked arteries. You don't grow this muscle back, and it leaves you with less capacity to function in good times or bad. It certainly would affect your ability to perform activities of daily survival, you would think. 
You could say the same thing for chronic lung disease like COPD. COPD stands for chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And that's a chronic inflammatory lung problem that causes decreased flow of air and thus oxygen to the body. Symptoms include breathing difficulty, cough, mucus production, and wheezing. It's caused by long-term exposure to irritating gases or particulate matter, well, most often from cigarette smoke. People with COPD are at increased risk for developing heart disease, lung cancer, and a variety of other conditions. Emphysema and chronic bronchitis are the two most common consequences that you'll see. Chronic bronchitis is an inflammation of the lining of the bronchial tubes, which carry air to and from the air sacs, called alveoli, in the lungs. It's characterized by a daily cough and mucus production for at least three months every year. Emphysema is a condition in which the alveoli at the end of the smallest air passages of the lungs are destroyed, leaving blank spaces. These blank spaces don't function at all to absorb oxygen into your body. Signs and symptoms of CPD are most obvious after about the age of 40, and they include, as I mentioned before, daily cough with mucus that may be anywhere from clear to white to yellow to even greenish maybe, shortness of breath, especially during physical activities, wheezing, chest tightness, having to clear your throat upon waking up due to a lot of mucus in your lungs, and later on, as the condition progresses, and it is a progressive disease, you may notice frequent respiratory infections, a lack of energy, and unintended weight loss, especially in the later stages. You might notice swelling in the ankles, feet, or legs. And you may notice blueness of the lips or fingernail beds caused by a lack of oxygen known as cyanosis. COPD symptoms often don't appear until after significant lung damage has occurred and they usually worsen over time, particularly if you still smoke. People with COPD are also likely to experience episodes during which their symptoms become worse than usual day-to-day -day variation with persistence for at least several days. You might be skeptical about smoking causing certain health issues, but it's pretty well established that the main cause of COPD in developed countries is indeed smoking tobacco. Having said that, only about 20 to 30% of chronic smokers may develop physical ailments due to COPD. That doesn't mean their lungs haven't been affected, just that it doesn't seem to affect their ability to function, at least now. In underdeveloped countries, COPD often occurs in people exposed to all sorts of noxious fumes from, let's say, burning fuel for cooking or heating in poorly ventilated homes. This is a similar situation to which we might experience if we're knocked off the grid due to some long-term disaster. In about 1% of people with COPD, the disease results from a genetic disorder that causes low levels of a protein called alpha-1 antitrypsin. In any case, the treatment is the same. COPD can cause many complications, including respiratory infections. You're more likely to catch colds, the flu, pneumonia. Any respiratory infection can make it more difficult to breathe and cause further damage to lung tissue. Heart problems, for some reasons that aren't really well understood, it can increase your risk for heart disease, including heart attacks. Lung cancer, people with COPD do have a higher risk for developing lung cancer. Maybe that's due to smoking. High blood pressure in lung arteries. COPD can cause high blood pressure in the arteries that actually bring blood to your lungs. That's called pulmonary hypertension, 
and it is a major health issue. And some people actually may become depressed. Difficulty breathing can keep you from really doing activities that you enjoy or that you have to do. And after dealing with, well, any kind of serious illness, people sometimes develop depression. So this is something that you may experience. Now, unlike some diseases, COPD has a clear cause and a clear path to prevention. The majority of cases are directly related to cigarette smoking. The best way to prevent COPD is to never smoke or at least to stop smoking right now. Occupational hazard to chemical fumes and dust, another risk factor. If you work with this type of lung irritation, you have to make sure that there are ways to protect yourself, such as using respiratory protective equipment. That's important. There are tests for COPD, but they usually include chest x-rays and CAT scans of the chest. Most of these aren't options off the grid, but you can test lung function with a simple piece of equipment called an inspirometer, which gives an idea of how deep a breath you can take, and it can measure progress or deterioration over time. A simple battery-powered item called a pulse oximeter can measure how saturated your blood is with oxygen. The higher, the better. Most people are in the high 90s or even 100% in some situations. In normal times, COPD is indeed treatable. With proper management, most people with COPD can achieve pretty good symptom control, have a good quality of life, as well as a reduced risk of other complications. Although you may run out of inhalers and prescription drugs that open airways in survival settings, you can still possibly help yourself. Of course, the first thing is to stop smoking. You probably won't have access to cigarettes anyhow. They're manufactured, and in a survival situation, they won't be. It's the only way, really, to keep COPD from getting worse, in smokers at least, and reduce your ability to breathe. It's not easy, though. You may need to use some nicotine replacement products if you can't go cold turkey. Whatever you do, get off cigarettes before the you-know-what hits the fan, once that happens, your lack of stamina is definitely going to show. Of course, some hospitals have pulmonary rehab. That's in normal times, but the results for significant disease do vary. They sure won't help much if you're off the grid, and of course, there won't be hospitals at that point. That means if you already have COPD, that you've got to stockpile medicines, things like inhalers, which will lose potency over time, and maybe oral meds like steroids that could last longer. Having a supply of oxygen canisters may be useful, but if you're at the point that you need it daily, it's not going to last very long. And people with severe cases of COPD, well, they will be in trouble. One inexpensive med you might be able to stockpile, if you have a sympathetic physician, that is, is theophylline, an old asthma drug. Coffee or the caffeine in it is actually pretty similar from a chemical standpoint. Antibiotics, which I talk about in our latest book, Alton's Antibiotics and Infectious Disease, should also be accumulated as COPD patients have a tendency to be prone to infections, especially lung infections. Remember that antibiotics only work against bacterial infections, though, not viruses. Other strategies include staying well hydrated, controlled coughing, humidifiers, light exercise, and more. Notice that I mentioned controlled coughing. Now, what am I talking about with regards to that? You may not know what that is. Not all coughs, by the way, are effective in clearing excess mucus from the lungs. Explosive or uncontrolled coughing causes airways to collapse and spasm, trapping mucus. That's a big issue for people with COPD. Controlled coughing is an effective way for a COPD patient to use just enough force to loosen and expel mucus through the airways without causing them to narrow and collapse. 
As I mentioned, COPD can cause your lungs to produce excess mucus. Boy, that leads to frequent coughing. And for people with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, this saves a lot of energy if you don't have to cough as much. Otherwise, they tend to be just exhausted. Certainly wouldn't be much help in survival settings. So this is a major problem with people with poor lung capacity and excessive mucus production. Control coughing is low-tech, could be very useful in survival settings. How do you teach control coughing to people with chronic lung disease in situations when you're off the grid due to some disaster? A controlled or effective cough comes from deep inside the lungs and has just enough force to loosen and carry mucus through the airways without causing them to narrow and collapse. That would save energy and, more importantly, help with oxygen. To cough effectively, you do this. Have your patient sit on a chair or on the edge of a bed, or on a log for that matter, just so he has both feet on the floor. Have him lean slightly forward and relax. Fold his arms across his abdomen and have him breathe in slowly through his nose. The power of the cough is going to come from moving air. To exhale, the patient leans forward, pressing their arms against their abdomen and coughing two or three times through a slightly open mouth. The coughs are going to be short and sharp. The first cough loosens the mucus and helps move it through the airways. The second and third cough enables you to cough the mucus up and out. You have your patient breathe in again by sniffing slowly and gently through his nose. This gentle breath helps prevent mucus from moving back down the airways. Avoid breathing in quickly and deeply through the mouth after coughing. That's important. Quick breaths can interfere with the movement of mucus up and out of the lungs and can cause uncontrolled coughing, something you definitely don't want. Then you have your patient rest, and you perform it again if needed to get more mucus out. Other simple strategies that might help the COPD patient is to become much more well hydrated. I mentioned that. Drink six to eight glasses of fluid a day unless you have to limit your fluid intake for some other medical reason. This thins out the mucus, making coughing it out easier. If you have inhalers, use the controlled coughing technique after you use your medication or any time that you feel mucus congestion in the airways. Oh, I didn't mention mucus clearing devices. There are actually devices that will help you clear out the mucus. So if you have trouble coughing up secretions, there's a handheld mucus clearing device that is available. Actually, there's several. The Flutter device, the Acapella, A-C-A-P-E-L-L-A device, the RC Cornet, C-O-R-N-E-T, and the lung flute is another device. Oh, there's also the Aerobica, A-E-R-O-B-I-K-A. Just look any of these up and you'll see that they're a very simple device. To use them, place the mouthpiece in your mouth. Seal your lips around it and take a deep breath using your diaphragm. You breathe out slowly with a moderate force through the device for as long as you can. And this increases pressure in the airways and the oscillations that are created by the device will give you the feeling that you need to cough. When you feel the urge to cough, you take a deep breath in, hold for one to three seconds, and then cough to loosen the mucus. You may have your opinions about vaccines, but you know what? They're probably a good idea in people at risk from lung complications like the COPD sufferer. Okay, that's all we have for this week's episode of the Survival Medicine Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, 
gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. To contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Amy Alton, ARNP of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. You'll be glad you did.